The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Um, a good night's sleep is something that can be hard to come by no matter how many Christmas movies you watch because you have a new baby in the house or even a not-so-new baby in the house. And joining me now to talk about sleep deprivation is Lucy Wolfe, sleep consultant and author. Uh, Lucy, good morning and welcome. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to see you. Now, we've been doing it down the line for quite some time. It's great to have you face to face again. Sleep deprivation, when you've been a parent and you look back on it, it's a bit like everything else that's tough. You forget how tough it was, but there are people going through it now and they're saying, oh my God, nobody ever told me. Yeah, I think the lived reality of lost sleep, disrupted sleep, alongside all of the other challenges that come with being a parent, you know, has a huge impact on the family system, on the parent, on the child. And I guess we probably need to talk about it more to normalize it, but also talk about things that help maybe alleviate it. Now, let's first of all talk about the impact of not getting enough sleep. I mean, you'll have some babies who wake several times in the night demanding to be fed or held or whatever and then there are the little darlings who from very early on sleep all the way through from seven to seven yeah i don't see a lot of those in my practice however that's the nature of the beast no they're not interested so so what impact does the the sleep deprivation have on the parent like i think on a day-to-day basis it's fair that it has a massive impact on the mood you know, more, we're more inclined with lost sleep to have negative thought processes. And there was a recent survey that suggested that the, the relationship between the couple is deeply impacted by the loss of sleep. And I think that, you know, I think we can all understand what I mean by that, because, you know, we often one of parent is maybe carrying the heavier load. And of course, lots of people respond differently to being, you know, to having lost sleep. But it can have like it can have such negative impacts on the whole family unit. And I guess it's trying to help parents understand, of course, young children, it's a typical feature for them to wake, needs their, you know, parental response and guidance. And we expect that as yeah. parents. And the baby won't suffer from sleep deprivation. The baby will sleep when the baby needs sleep. Yeah, the young children, they just, they need a lot of sleep, but it's distributed throughout a 24 yeah. hour period. So when they're, yeah. when they're knackered, they just bump. That's well, it. you see, we'd love to think that when they're knackered they just do go to sleep but actually one of the things that impact sleep is that they don't just do that so that sometimes the more tired they get the more resistant to sleeping they become. Okay now what can you do because I know uh, for our conversations over the years you've always been uh, emphasizing routine 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 routine. I'm interested in regulating the body clock because the circadian rhythm has such a big impact on how we experience our sleep, both adult and children, which is why that kind of ideal of routine or what I describe as being a feeding and sleeping balance to the day becomes important. And quite early on, like, you know, your baby has an internal body clock. It's maturing and will continue to do so. But it is one of the things that you can begin to initiate. Like, you know, you can use light and you can use dark. You can use regularity to help help regulate their body clock, which then in turn has a a knock-on positive impact on how they get to sleep and sometimes how they maintain their sleep as well. Do we know anything about the sleep of the baby in the womb? In other words, if mum's heartbeat drops as anyone's heartbeat 
baby does in sleep. Does the baby in the womb chill out too? Mum and baby are in sync with each other and that obviously continues thereafter, which is why, you know, part of the health agenda is that we, you know, like our babies to stay close to us from a sleep point of view because mum can help regulate the baby and the baby's breathing. And again, we know as well that babies who sleep in close proximity to the mum outside of the womb uh, yeah. tend to, you know, sleep, go into a deeper sleep and stay asleep for longer. Okay, so, so if you sleep beside your baby... Uh, in the bed with you, you know, and that may be difficult, especially if you've got a big hoosh of a husband or whatever who might roll over. But even room sharing, which is the child. room sharing, which is more recommended, like, you know, again, each family will make a decision about whether they share the bed or it's certainly sharing the room is a really positive way, first of all, to help, um, again, create that close proximity. But, but even in the room is enough proximity yeah, we have to, to get synchronized, that uh, breathing. synchronized sleeping. Yeah, well, the idea. Now, again, yeah. the all, as of all things in theory, they don't always translate into practice yeah. and then I suppose then we can use external cues like mm. creating that dark environment for sleep. Now one of the problems that uh, you talk about is that it's all very well the first six months and people m- may be steeled by their pals who've just had babies maybe a year before this is what to expect but then for some parents it goes on yeah. two years old, three years old, yeah. four years old disrupted sleep. Yeah that's right and that's what I probably see most in my practice that you know we have that anticipation of you know young children's sleep needs be you know feature is that they wake a lot and they need a lot but as there's also an expectation that they as they mature and their sleep profile matures that they too can start to sleep for longer stretches of time may never be exactly what the parent is looking for but that capacity exists most certainly beyond six months of age but sometimes those sleep challenges don't resolve themselves and it's because sleep is so multi-dimensional so many things impacting the sleep. Um, the question is, uh, my little one goes to bed but wakes up two hours later and won't go back to sleep for hours. What can I do? doesn't give me the age, though. I know. But however, you know, a lot of the sleep challenges have themes, you know. So this particular family are experiencing, you know, long wake periods overnight. So taking ages to go back to sleep. One of the most common um, contributory factors to that, regardless of age, actually is an overtired theme. So this can come from lots of different ways. And don't forget, every time they stay awake for hours, they are becoming more fatigued. Sure. So it's a little bit of a vicious cycle. And we can stop that. We can have that regular wake time. I talk a lot about a regular wake time, like trying to start the day maybe no later than 7.30 a.m. As you get started to try and regulate things, exposure to bright and natural light. But then also, depending on the age of your child, trying to ensure that they're getting close to what they need per age. And then, and this is my big one that I put a lot of emphasis on because it helps to stop this vicious cycle, is bringing forward the bedtime earlier. So whatever the bedtime is, it needs to be earlier at this moment in time to try and start to still the what is what is happening and to try to start to dilute it. Then we can look at how they get to sleep and how they get back yeah. to sleep and how we can help them to Next change one, that. My five-year-old has started wake up in, in the middle of the night, coming into our room. She won't settle back in her own bed. So for easiness sake, we've left her in our bed. But it's not a good habit. Any tips on getting her back to the routine? Yeah, and it sounds like it's a fairly new problem, you know, in terms of this five-year-old. It's not unusual as we go back to school in September to just after midterm to start to see sleep begin to be disrupted. You know, they've got a lot to process. And of course, sleep is many things, but it's also behavioural. So if they come into the bed in the overnight period, they only really need to do that a couple of times, then start to feel like this is expected, this is anticipated, this is association-oriented, you know. And so I suppose if the parents in this instance 
instance, would like her to sleep back in her own bedroom, then the beginning might be just bringing her back to her bedroom and maybe even sleeping with her in her bedroom yeah. to kind of to re-centralise kind of where... This is where you belong, Well, yeah, it's about defining it and it's assigning, you know, and then the hope would be that the more that she becomes more climatised back to her own bedroom, that muscle memory idea of getting up, coming into the bed might, might stop in this instance. Another one, how soon or how late should you feed a two-year-old before bed? What's the gap? Yeah, so I, get, I have some specific... Uh, literature says 30 minutes. However, I find in practice it doesn't seem to be enough because I... Th- believe there to be like a legacy of sucking association. So I find that I recommend and find it very successful to do is a 45 minute gap between finishing the last feed okay. be that breast so be that bottle so you might be doing it an hour therefore well yeah it's, I think it's a good idea before. like if we're aiming for example for a 7 o'clock bedtime I generally tend to say look let's finish drinks of whatever and this can include sips of water yeah. because don't forget it's a legacy sucking um, over by 6 6.15 and then that allows that clearance that I find then what it's doing is, is promoting sleepability which allows sleepability to improve in the overnight as well and a general thing why do a lot of parents say their first child sleeps very well and the second won't sleep at all. Have you noticed that trend? <laughs> well, I, I don't know what. There's, it, it, no, not really. I think it can. It, it, I think temperament plays a huge part. Birth order also has an impact. But I think maybe if you get a good first one, you maybe don't get a good second one, and then vice versa. A, However, it, what it, I want—it's a lottery. What I want parents to know is there's always ways and changes that you can make. So what this parent might say is, "I'm doing exactly the same thing as I did for my first because that really suited the temperament of the first, and what I'm doing for the second one isn't working." So again, it's a lot lovely opportunity to initiate changes and to know that we can have two great sleepers even if in the beginning one doesn't appear that way. Uh, Maybe a final one. My nine-year-old has started having night terrors in recent weeks. I've no idea where it started, what causes it and what can we do? Yeah, and I actually think this time of year we see a lot of that, you know, new term in school, I do think and then it doesn't, it takes until maybe the Halloween week for it all sort of of come up to the surface. Then we've got the time change around that weekend. We've had more sugar in the diet. Actually, one of the biggest stimulants of night terrors actually is becoming overtired. So again, that sometimes is the bedtime, just getting that little bit later. Uh, Often when we're looking at correcting night terrors, we actually bring bedtime forward. We reduce sugar in the diet. I often look at vitamin supplements as well in the diet temporarily. And um, then if we still see the trend having those adjustments and make sure heat, because central heating this time of year also stimulates night terrors. So there's kind of a combination of things. Then we can look at even a week to sleep technique that is often helpful to almost preempt the waking and skip them into the next sleep phase. All right, well, Lucy, you're a font of wisdom as usual. Uh, your books are still in print, I presume? Absolutely, The Baby Sleep Solution and all about The Baby Sleep Solution. You'll find them, you know. Everywhere, yeah. everywhere. <laughs> Lucy Wolf, uh, sleep consultant and author. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. And that's all we've time for here at the Radisson Blue in Cork. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.